Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus, this is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Mary was getting ready to live the dream, a husband, a home, and children. In an instant, all of it changed when an angel comes and visits Mary and presents to her God's plan for her. Most of us growing up have dreams about what we want our life to look like. Some dream of becoming a fireman, a policeman, or a doctor, or maybe a famous athlete. But what do you think your reaction would be if an angel came to visit you and told you your life was going to be very different from what you thought it was going to be? Would you be willing to surrender your life to God's will? It seems kind of weird when we think about the fact of someone paying for their own Christmas present. But that's exactly what God did. God sent His Son for you. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we enter the Christmas season, we're going to take a few weeks off from our series in the book of Mark to answer a question that you may have never thought of before. What does God want for Christmas? Of course, we know that God doesn't need anything, but the truth is God wants you for Christmas. Just exactly what should that look like in our lives is what Pastor Clay is going to be exploring over the next few weeks. What does it mean to say that that I've been redeemed, I've been bought, I've trusted Christ as my Savior? What does that mean for my life? We start today with taking a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and a life of surrender. Now here's Pastor Clay. If you, if you really thought about it, what would it take for you to, to give up everything, all of this that you know, to go to the other side of the world and be involved in, in worldwide missions? This idea of, of what would it take and all that kind of thing, I'm not asking you to, to pack your bags. Like I said, that, that's, that's God's business. But to consider this idea of, of giving it all up. And when we say that, you understand, we're, we're, what I'm saying is giving it all up to God. What would that be like? If you brought a copy of God's Word, you can open it to the book of Luke this morning. We're looking at some Christmas messages, some Christmas passages over the next few weeks. I love that. I love to do that, obviously, at Christmas time. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. The text is on the screen as well. Let's look at somebody that was willing to give it all up. Luke chapter 1, now in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. That's important, right? We just saw that a few weeks ago. That, that came up. What was that called? Do you all remember? The Davidic covenant. There it's showing up here in, in the New Testament. Of descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation, what kind of greeting this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she, who was called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father God, as we take a few moments to, uh, uh, to delve into the, really the beauty of this, uh, this text, the children uh, presented it to us. Uh, we read it here this morning uh, in your word. As we take a few moments just to to contemplate Mary's life and Mary's decision, uh, my prayer is and has been, as I've thought about this, this message today, has been that, that it would transfer or translate into our lives, that we would, we would think about it in the context of our own lives. There's only one Son of God. You only sent your Son once. There was only one virgin who would, who would conceive and, and bear your uh, Son come to earth. But it doesn't mean that you don't have plans and purposes for each of our lives. So as we take just a few moments this morning, Father God, would you just remind us about what it would look like if we let it all go. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's talk about a surrendered life. Now, the children just a few moments ago creatively and beautifully presented this, this astounding truth to us, that what God wants for Christmas is you. Now, it, it, uh, I, I, I don't know, it seems kind of weird when we think about the fact that of someone paying for their own Christmas present. But that's exactly what God did. God sent His Son for you. This, this whole thing this incarnation, what we call the incarnation, the God taking on flesh, being born as a child, this, this Advent, this Christmas season that we celebrate, and his ultimate uh, path and, and journey to the cross, and his sacrifice on the cross, and his victory over the grave, all of it was for you and for me. It made it possible so that we could be redeemed. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. So that we could be redeemed and, 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 and bought with this price, this precious price, and adopted into the family of God. It was for you. Now, most of you here this morning would probably profess a faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I'm not trying to presume that for everyone here or everyone who will listen to this message. I'm certainly not trying to presume that or, or just automatically include all people. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that. And if, and if a person is here, a person who listens to this message or watches this, this message has not yet made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, then I would pray that that, that person would do that even today, before they leave this place, that they would settle that issue and, and, and invite Christ into their life to trust them. But most of you, and I, and I know most of you, most of you would profess to say, I've, I've come to that place in my life where I have trusted Christ, I, I know I'm redeemed, I, I know I've been bought with a price, I'm adopted into the family of God, and, and, and He is my Savior. The question, though, needs to be asked, what does that mean for my life then? What does it mean to say that, that I've been redeemed, I've been bought, I've trusted Christ as my Savior? What does that mean for my life? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it probably certainly uh, has something to do with my spiritual life. Where I will spend eternity, going to heaven, the promise of heaven. I know it probably has something to do with, with that. But is there any application for my, for my physical life here and now? Right now, where I am in, in my mess and my joys, my ups, my downs, my failures, my whatever. Does it have anything to do with my life right here and right now? It, it probably should affect my Sundays because if I'm a Christian, I know I probably ought to, ought to go to church. I probably ought to do that sort of thing. But is that it? Is that all there is to it? Mary, and, and you guys know this, I'm, not, I'm probably not telling you anything that most of you don't know in this place today, but, but Mary was this, this young girl, this young, almost certainly teenage girl, living in obscurity in a little town called Nazareth. Now, you know, it, in our lives today, or in the lives of ladies, to... to for girls and ladies. Let me just focus on that for a minute since we're talking about Mary. In the culture in which we live, girls can grow up and have all kinds of, of hopes and aspirations and dreams, can't they? A, a, a girl can, can dream of, of growing up and becoming a, a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a a CEO of a corporation or an entrepreneur that starts her own startup company that doesn't make anything actually but is worth billions of dollars and stuff. I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't even understand how that works. But, 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 a, but a girl can dream about this. Like being a professional athlete or whatever. A, a girl in our culture can have those hopes and dreams and aspirations. That was not the case in the culture in which Mary grew up. Mary had one dream, one hope, one aspiration. Now, it, it had three parts, but it really was just one. A husband, a home, and kids. That was it. That was, that was the hope. That was the aspiration. That was the dream for Mary and for every other Jewish girl growing up in a culture like that, growing up in some little town like Nazareth. That, that was it. That's not to say that that's a bad hope or aspiration or dream. To have a husband that loves you. To have a home that is yours and the banks. <laughs> to possibly have children. That's, that's still not a bad hope or aspiration or dream today, ladies. 
But, but for Mary, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? That was it. That, that, was, that was all that she had. Now, the great thing for Mary was, buddy, she's there. I mean, she's, she's living the dream, or at the very least, it's knocking on her door. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, she is engaged to be married to a man, Joseph, who, as we'll see next week, clearly loved her. He is uh, almost certainly at this, at this point, he is off building their dream home. And she, she's marrying a carpenter, so that's pretty good, you know. She knows everything's going to be square and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Roof won't lit. He, he's, he's almost certainly off building their dream home. When the, uh, the, the, when the marriage ceremony, the, the final part of it, the, the, the celebration, uh, that was about to take place. And that was, I mean, that was huge in their culture and their life. It still is today. But the, the marriage celebration was about to take place. And, and, and in time after they were married, uh, as God blessed, children would come along. And, and, and that would be it. Mary's, Mary's living the dream. Uh, certainly they would have their ups and downs like everybody does. Certainly they would have their trials and their tribulations like everybody does. But Mary was getting ready to live the dream. A husband, a home, and children. And in an instant, it all changed. In an instant, all of it changed. When an angel comes and visits Mary and presents to her God's plan. Presents to her God's plan for her. And, and Mary may be young, okay? But Mary wasn't clueless. Mary understood, based on what the angel just said to her, that she was going to become pregnant before her and Joseph came together. Now, she didn't understand it. Nobody understands it, okay? But based on what he just told her, she understood that she was about to be with child before her and Joseph came together. She has to know that her parents will never believe her. She has to think that Joseph, at the very least, will reject her, divorce her, because they were in a legally binding relationship at that point in Jewish culture, and perhaps even exercise his right to have her stoned to death. She has to know that the gossip is flying, is going to be flying, and yet, here it is, and yet... She chooses to surrender everything. She chooses to say what, for me, is one of the most astounding passages of Scripture in all the Bible, there at the end of that section where Mary says, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. It is complete and total and utter surrender of her life. And listen, it's not just surrendering. I, I, I know y'all you, you are a sharp bunch, so I'm sure you get this. It's not just surrendering to what God wants, okay? It is surrendering what she wants. What, whatever, the, whatever the hopes and the dreams and the aspirations, and we talked about what those were for a Jewish girl, but however in her mind her future was going to play out, whatever it was going to look like, all of that she has to 
she has to walk away from. She has to give up. She has to be willing to say, I surrender all of it. Now listen, God is God, right? He sees the beginning, he sees the end, all that kind of stuff. We, we know that's theologically true. So God picked a young lady that he knew would say yes. God chose Mary because God knew Mary. God knew of, of Mary's love for him and Mary's devotion to him. Now, we, don't, we didn't know anything. We never heard of Mary till we, till we read this. But God knew Mary. And so God knew that Mary would say yes. But listen to me, because this is important. That doesn't lessen the significance of Mary's decision to say, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word. It doesn't lessen the fact that Mary chose to surrender everything in her life. Surrender. That's what God wants for Christmas. He wants you. He wants all of you surrendered to him. Um, I want to read an excerpt to you from a a book entitled Seeking the Face of God from uh, Gary Thomas. Not Gary Thomas, but... <laughs> that's, that's, sorry, I just gave that to Tyler this morning, so it's easy to see how that could have happened. Uh, here's, what, here's what Gary Thomas says. <laughs> Stop! Shh. I'm never going to get through this. Y'all are, y'all are making me laugh. Christian health, listen to what he says now. Christian health is not defined by how happy we are. Well, yes it is, if you watch a lot of TV preachers. Sorry, I picked on them last week. I need to get off that. Christian health is not defined by how happy we are, how prosperous or healthy we are, watch this, or even by how many people we've led to the Lord in the past year. Christian health is ultimately defined by how sincerely we wave our flag of surrender to Him. All right, let, let, me, let, me, let me read a couple passages of Scripture to you. This first one, uh, from the book of Luke is, is one of what you'd call the hard passages. There, there are certain passages, certain teachings that Jesus gives that, that, that actually the text tells us uh, in some places that when the people heard it, they, they turned and walked away from Jesus because we had to say it was too hard. This is one of those hard passages in uh, Luke chapter 14. He says, Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, He cannot be my disciple. Say, what? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now listen, we know from the rest of Scripture, we know that Jesus is not teaching, he's not advocating, he's not promoting the idea that you and I should literally hate our family. He's not promoting the idea that we should hate our, our parents or hate our spouse or our children or even ourself. But what he is advocating, what he is teaching is that in comparison to the love and devotion and surrender that we have to him, that it's, it's as if that because the, the difference should be so great that compared to what I have toward him and for him, it's as if I hate 
my parents and my family and and my brothers and sisters and my own self compared to compared to what I should have for him everything else in my life you ready for this everything else in your life comes in a way far distant second at best are you ready for that can you handle that can I handle that here let's look at this one this, this one's not not quite as hard, but it's still hard. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You, many of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. In other words, to give your life, right? To give your life to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable this is truly the way to worship him. To give him the life that I have. Well, geez. <laughs> I just thought I could pray a prayer and know I'm good to go for heaven. I don't know about the rest of this stuff. Listen, salvation is absolutely a grace gift from God. It is based solely on what he has done for us and has nothing to do with what you and I could ever do or give to him. But it needs to be understood that God's expectation on your life and on my life is no less than absolute, unconditional surrender to him. This may come as a shock to you, but God doesn't have different levels in heaven or in, in, in Christianity, in, in the kingdom. God doesn't have different levels in the kingdom. Now, certainly, people may be at different places in their walk with Jesus because uh, maybe this person hasn't been walking with Jesus as long as this person has. And, and so maybe this person's uh, you know still getting a hold or walking through this idea of of how to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and how to let the Holy Spirit have control of my life so that, so that I am looking Christ-like and being Christ-like. And, and so maybe there are people in different stages. And all of us are in process, amen? All of us are learning how to become more Christ-like and all of us do well some days and not as well other days or in, in this situation or in that situation. All of us may be in process, but all of us need to understand that the expectation on our lives is the same for all of us. And the expectation is surrender. Absolute, unconditional, complete, total surrender of my life to Him. Now, let's try and, or let me take just a minute to, in a sense, define, okay? to define what unconditional surrender of my life looks like. And, and there's a lot of stuff I could say, and we could come up with lists forever, but, but I, I, just, I just said this. It just looks like this. Unconditional surrender means that he is the priority and has the authority in my life. He is the priority and has the authority in my life. That's true, even though not a single one of you amend it. He is the priority and has the authority in my life. Now, that means that 
every single uh, part of my life is, is built around and based on who God is and my desire to know him and grow in him and be connected to him, that he is the priority of my life and that he has authority over my life so that every decision that I make, who, who, who is going to be my spouse if, if I'm a person that, that's going to be or wants to be or married someday? What vocation am I going to go into? What career should I choose? What and, and a million other decisions that we make in our life. It, what it means is that it essentially begins with something that looks like this. Father, my life is yours. I want to honor you with my life choices. I yield my will to your will. Please help me to make this decision based on what is most honoring to you. Notice, not based on what makes the most money, not based on what will make me the happiest, not based on what will get me the most toys, not based on... Please give me your wisdom to do what you would have for me. Now listen, it doesn't have to be those exact words. Those are my words. It's just... Just the way that I, I, I might say it and have said it in my life. It's, it's not the words that matter, but the intent of the heart has to be, God, complete, total, unconditional surrender to you. I'd raise both my hands as high if I could get that one as high. But it's still to say, I surrender. My life is yours. And I've got this decision, and, 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 I, and, I, and I, don't want to, I don't want to dishonor you. I don't want to head in the wrong direction. God, would you give me your wisdom to make the decision that is most honoring to you now, let me say this. If the idea of, of surrendering to God scares you, because it's kind of scary. Some of this today, we read from Scripture and we talk about this idea of total surrender. It, it, can, it can be kind of scary. If the idea of complete and total surrender of your life to God, if that scares you, please understand that God doesn't ask for your surrender. God doesn't ask for you. God doesn't want you for Christmas because, because he wants you to do something for him or because he needs, some, needs you to complete something. I know we tend to think of a lot of ourselves, but, but can I just tell you, God is still God whether you surrender your life to him or you do not. God will still be on his throne tomorrow. If you walk out of here today and say, hogwash, God wants you to surrender to him. You ready for this? God wants you to surrender to him so that God can give to you, can reveal to you all that he has for you. And let me tell you something, it's a lot. It's a lot. That God wants you to surrender completely and totally to him so that you can experience all the fullness of what God's purposes and plans are for your life because listen and and if you're if you're if you're 15 or or 22 you probably don't believe this but but I'm 55 so I I, I've done this long enough that I can tell you that it doesn't matter what you what you fill your life with or who you bring into your life it doesn't matter how much money you make or how many toys that you have you will never I don't care what you think of your life or whether you like it hate it or whatever you will never you will never experience all that your life is and can be until you learn complete total utter surrender to him 
you won't. Well, you, well I like my life. Okay. But I'm just telling you, it's not all that it could be or will be. And that if you, if you, if you, begin, if, if you begin to allow your life just to move in that direction just a little bit, and you begin to experience what God has for you and how God will direct your path and how God will open doors for you and how God will, will use you in a way that you can't even believe. If you'll just begin to start doing that and experience it in your life, you'll say, I, I don't ever want to go back to, to the toys and trinkets that this world offers. I don't ever want to trade those things for what God has for me. Surrender. Listen, I, I, I love this quote. Maybe you've seen it before. Uh, the, the great uh, South African uh, pastor and teacher of the 19th, early 20th century, Andrew Murray, said this. So I want you to read this quote. Andrew Murray said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life wholly yielded to him. He, he knows your needs. He knows your, your family's needs. He he. He knows all that stuff, and he is ready to fully assume responsibility for that if I will fully surrender, release my life to him. Listen, God brought his son into the world, the incarnation. God, the eternal God, took on flesh and became a man through the conception of a child to a virgin you understand that, that, naturally speaking, that's impossible. That's why God got involved in it. That God's Son came to earth because one little young lady living in obscurity in a little town called Nazareth was willing to say, was, was, she, was she scared? I suspect. Did she have questions? We know she had at least one. But still she was willing to say, hey, Gabriel, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done unto me according to your word. If God would do that through one young lady, what would God do through your life if you would say, behold, God, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word to your plans, to your purposes, to your will. What God wants for Christmas is you. Mary was a young lady with her whole life in front of her. But when the time came, she wasn't afraid to surrender all of it to the Lord. As Pastor Clay reminded us today, God doesn't have a class system. He doesn't call certain people to higher levels of commitment than others. We may have different gifts and talents and different callings within the body of Christ. But all of us are called to surrender our lives to Him. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their lives feel disconnected with the type of life and faith that they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, 
Have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy of I Get It today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're looking for. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.